This is the GGC Life Podcast. He didn't. Why? Because death has no sin. He took away the, the, the result of martyrdom, the, the negative part of it. We just go to be in, with him in glory. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers all the things he could have given, he gave this. The point I'm making is this. We're foolish if we think we can lead his church without the gifts that he's given. All the gifts. We're foolish. We think we know better than him. Oh, Lord, if you just give us enough resources, we'll get the job done. But I don't like those prophetic guys. Don't, don't keep, keep them away. No, just, just give us resources. No, he said, this is what you need to get the job done. I think it was Leo that said it last night. And that is that he's producing five-fold saints. Okay, now there is a sense of as Daniel was saying earlier, we have a leaning toward certain things, and God, some of us are more uh, anointed and gifted in that area to equip. But let me tell you, you need all of the gifts to come to maturity. Leah was saying that last night. You need everything. So what does the apostle give? I, I love what Daniel said, but, but the foundation is the supremacy of Christ. That's what Paul preached, the supremacy of Christ. And then there's a foundation of God's pattern. But we need that. Every believer needs that. You add to that a love for the Holy Spirit, hearing God's voice. Every believer needs that. Whether you are a prophet or not, we need that. That's how we grow up to Christ. Then a love for the Word. Every believer needs a love for the Word, the authority of the Word. They need to understand that because that's what is our protection. And then every believer needs a love for the body. There are 41 and others. You can't say, well, I'm a prophet. I don't need the body. But every believer needs a love for the lost because that's part of the ministry. We need all those if we're going to grow up and accomplish the task that God's given us. You still with me? Cool, cool. Now I'm going to get controversial here. Uh, how many of you know that the kingdom and the world are totally different? The world lies under the uh, control of the evil one. In fact, Jesus calls Satan the ruler of this world twice in John 12 and John 14. Uh, 1 John 5, 19 says the whole world lies under the influence of the evil one. And so the, the world's way of doing things and the kingdom are totally different. In fact, uh, Galatians 5, 17 says that, that the flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another. Flesh being the natural, the world, the way of the world. They're contrary. They're not just different, they're contrary. You still with me there? Okay. Stay with me to Matthew chapter 20. I want to talk to you about kingdom leadership from a 
new wineskin perspective. I want to challenge some of your thinking. I don't expect you to respond right away because I might, might get you thinking in a different line than you're used to. Matthew chapter 20. I want to start in verse 20. I think I gave the uh, notes to the guys in the back with verse 24. But the story is that uh, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and asking something. He said, what do you wish? And she said, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Think about that for a second. They come and they get mom to come and ask for them. Mom, come on. And Jesus answered and said, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said, we're able. They said, we're able. They're, they're right there. Mom's asking, but they're standing right there. And Jesus' response is, uh, you will indeed drink the cup and be baptized with the baptism but to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to give. It is for those who is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. Duh! What, what would you think? You know, uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna, I'm, Leo and I are going to go find someone and we're going to sneak say, okay, make us the, the, the real leaders. Don't, don't, don't pay attention to Mike and... Cliff and Daniel. They were a bit offended. And then Jesus says this amazing thing. He called them to himself and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, that's the world. Gentiles is the world. He's saying the rulers of the world lorded over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. This is how the world works. And then he says this, Yet it shall not be so among you. Who de whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus establishes something. He says, worldly leadership is about control. Worldly leadership is having authority over someone. Kingdom leadership is not. Makes it very clear. It's not about having control over someone. It's not about having authority over someone, which is what it says. The exercise of authority. The way the world works is that you have some sort of control over people. You have authority. Whether that is because you're bigger and stronger or because you're the boss and you pay the salaries, you have some way of controlling people. And he says, that's how the world works, but the kingdom works just the opposite. It works in serving. We all know that. You've all read it. Take a deep breath. What does that look like? I want to throw a picture at you. Turn to Ezekiel 47. Bill referred to this last night. I'm going to add something to what Leo said, I think what he said was absolutely right. But I just want to go through this with you. Because Ezekiel, this is a prophetic picture 
of where we live today. It wasn't the temple in the time of Ezekiel. He had a prophetic picture. And it says, verse, from verse 1, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. And he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around to the other side of the, uh, outside of the outer gate that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. So you get this picture. There is the presence of God, and there is water, life of God, the flow of the Spirit flowing out toward the east. You guys all know this. And when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the water, and the water was up to my ankles. And he me measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the water came to my knees. Now, I always had a picture of this that I realized when I read this was wrong. My picture is that they're walking next to the river, and every once in a while they go in a little bit, and it's this deep. And then they walk a little bit farther, and they go in, and it's up to their knees. It actually is they're walking down the river. They're actually in the river. And as they go eastward in the river, it's getting deeper. Kind of different than how most rivers are. Most rivers get shallower, not deeper, unless they have tributaries that add to them. But this is actually getting deeper. Guinea measured in a river I couldn't, uh, came up to my waist. And a guinea measured a thousand in the river I could not cross. The water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. I think, as Leo said last night, this is the flow of the life of God, the anointing of God, and it gets deeper as the kingdom is advancing and more people are involved. It doesn't get shallower. It gets, God multiplies. The anointing doesn't become less when it's multiplied. It becomes more. It gets deeper. And he said to me, have you seen this? And he brought me to the bank, and I turned, and there along the bank of the river were many trees, uh, one side and the other, which we'll get to at the end. And he said to me, the water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. The sea represents people. Throughout the scripture, it represents the masses of people, the nations. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed, and it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live. And there will be a great multitude of fish because of the waters that are there. They will be healed, and everything, uh, everything will live wherever the river goes. This is the life of God, the presence of God, the supernatural anointing that's going away from the, the temple into where the people are, and everywhere this supernatural anointing goes, people are healed. People are saved. There's life flowing. It goes down into the, the sea, which is, represents all the people. You still with me? Yeah. Shall be fishermen standing on the edge. There'll be fish. And then verse 11, and it swamps and its marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. What's a swamp or a marsh? It's simply a river without banks. 
the water didn't change. The only thing that changed was the banks. Now, Leo said last night he felt that the banks were the Word of God, and I believe that's true, but I believe it's the Word of God in the hand of leadership. Leadership provides banks so that the anointed people can keep flowing in the same direction. What happens when there's no banks? Someone has some crazy idea. Well, it should be this. We should, God's saying this, and God's saying this, and pretty soon there's no flow, and it just spreads out, and what happens? It loses the life. Now, you've probably never experienced that in a meeting where there's a flow of the Spirit and then someone comes and they have a word that's just like out in left field. Now, you can chase that or you can say, hey, that's not for right now. Here's the flow. We provide the banks for that to continue to flow. You, you, you're getting it here. Okay, so it's different than the world. Because what it does is the banks serve the river by keeping it flowing in the same direction. The banks are not the river. Leadership is not the goal of maturity. Effective kingdom ministry is the goal of maturity. A Kingdom of priests flowing in the, the anointing of God is the goal of maturity. The banks, leaders, serve that by providing some direction so it doesn't just spread out and become wild. You still with me? Think about that for a second. It's a whole new wineskin. It's recognizing everyone's anointed. It's recognizing God's pattern is multiplication. We don't have to do it all. We can help equip, but then we provide safety. Even in the midst of everyone being anointed, there is still a need for leadership, but it's a different kind of leadership. It's a leadership that facilitates the flow of the Spirit. It's a leadership that encourages people to flow in the, the same direction. It's different. It's a new wineskin. You're going to have to think about that for a few minutes. Because there's everything in our culture that follows a worldly concept of hierarchy and leadership. Leo referred to it last night. We see it in, in uh, everything in the world. We see it in government. We see it in business. We see hierarchy. And that creeps into the church and we think that we have to, to somehow climb up the ladder to become a key leader. We have this thing of uh, people who are celebrities in the world. And unfortunately, we have the same thing of people who are celebrities in the church. And people exist to serve them rather than they exist to facilitate the flow of God. So I want you to get in your thinking, what, is, what does it mean to be banks of the river? Yes, we get to be part of the river sometimes too, but the goal is how do we facilitate the Spirit moving? Because everyone has the Spirit. 
Everyone can hear God's voice. The problem is that everything in the Spirit, a friend of mine used an illustration once, that if I have a glass and there's a perfectly clean glass, but there's one drop of ink in the glass, I can pour in perfectly pure, clear water, but what comes out is slightly tinted. Okay? That's kind of how partnering with the Holy Spirit is. We have a little bit of us in there. The Holy Spirit, what he pours in is absolutely pure, but sometimes it comes out with a little bit of tint. Unfortunately, whenever the Holy Spirit speaks through me, it comes out with an American accent. (laughs) He doesn't change my accent by the anointing. I was going to try to speak in Spanish, but that would just mess everything up. Think about it for a second. And so sometimes we have a theological understanding. And as God still in his goodness pours his spirit through us, what comes out is maybe a little bit tainted. It's not wrong. It's not demonic. So I like to picture it this way. If, you, if there's a spectrum of absolutely pure spirit on one side and flesh on the other side, whenever the Holy Spirit moves in us, it's somewhere in, we're somewhere on the spectrum. The more mature we are, the more we follow the Holy Spirit, the more of the Holy Spirit it is. We grow in that, but it's still a little bit of us. Okay, when people are first starting, sometimes it's a little bit more. Now, that doesn't mean that it's demonic. Too often we think it's a spirit or it's a devil. It's neither. I mean, if you're in Christ, there is no place for the demonic. I mean, usually if someone comes into a meeting and they're demonized, you know it up front. You're never going to give them the mic to share something. You have a discerning of spirits. So you don't have to start discerning after they start sharing. (laughs) Hopefully. Uh, but what I'm saying is that part of the, the banks is to recognize, okay, some of that is the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit? What's the flesh? We don't have to reject everything. What's the Holy Spirit? The problem is that no matter who we are, some of it is us. It's our theology. It's our character. It's our understanding. It's a little bit of a wrong impression about how God wants to work something. But that doesn't discount everything that the Holy Spirit says. If that were the case, he could never use anyone. We're all flesh until we we go to heaven. We always have this combination. Uh, Someone once said, God works with imperfect people because he has no other choice. So what does the banks provide? Just keeping the flow moving in the same direction. Doctrine. Okay? If it gets really, really weird, you need to bring the banks in. Okay? Direction. Hey, this is where the Holy Spirit's moving. Let's get in line with the Holy Spirit. But somebody has, they want to go this way. Say, hey, well, I'm not saying that you totally haven't heard God, but that's not where the Spirit's flowing right now. And correction. If someone actually does mess up really, really bad, 
and it's 90% flesh and very little spirit, then, you know, we might have to correct some things. But there's a lot of grace in this for people to, to try. When we understand that there's a lot of grace. Someone said, oh, well, does that need to be correct? I said, no. I think it was uh, Greg Haswell, a uh, guy in the States, who had said that when, when the Holy Spirit wants to use us, sometimes the grace flows through the person being used into the, the congregation. But sometimes the grace flows the other way. Sometimes somebody, they really want to share something, but it's really, it's for them. It wasn't really in the flow of the Spirit. And we just have grace for them. We had a, led a church in Melbourne a number of years ago, and we had a lady every once in a while. She just so wanted to share, and she would. And it was always just, you know, what something that was, was important to her, but it was never in the flow. We didn't stop her. We just all had grace for her. We loved her because it wasn't demonic. It wasn't direction. We just, we just loved her, you know. I mean, now, if she wanted to do that every week, we probably would have had to have a talk with her. Uh, are you still with me? And so the encouragement is this. In this, let's keep the banks as wide as possible. Allow as many people as possible. Throughout history, and uh, I've seen this happen over years. I, I come from the States. One of the Pentecostal denominations in the States uh, actually have absolutely no expression of the manifestations of the Spirit any longer because the banks kept getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And if anyone ever made a mistake, they were never allowed again. And so the banks got narrower and narrower and narrower till the only people who could do anything were the, the leaders. And then we became a hierarchy. And so we need to say, how do we keep the banks as wide as possible? You still with me? I, I know that I'm probably challenging some of your thinking. Because there is a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit in everybody. Now, somebody feels like God's given them a word, and they come and share it with the, the leadership. I'm not talking about a meaning. I'm just talking about maybe direction for the church. But we might have, in our church, a number of people who share those things. We ask them to write it down. We take it. We pray about those. But we don't determine the whole direction of the church based on one word. But neither do we say, hey, now we're the leaders. You can't hear God. No, we say, hey, we want to pull out all together, and we want to keep the banks as wide as possible, but we don't abdicate leadership. Not everybody who has an idea can set the direction. So you see with me. There is a flow of God, but there's still leadership. But that leadership looks a little bit different. Some of you are going, hmm. Okay, it's about time to, uh, to throw my water. I think Mike was falling asleep here. So, Actually, if I take the lid off and throw it, then we'd all get... It could be baptism. <laughs> no. How do we stay in step with the Spirit and still remain biblical? The Holy Spirit will give us revelation, but it's in keeping. 
So we see something like Ezekiel that is a prophetic picture. As, the, as we move deeper into to the anointing, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And we're in this whole timeline that we had at the beginning with Mary over here, we're like right here next to, to Jesus coming. What does that mean? We're actually really close as a whole church to being mature and without spot and blemish. See, too often we think it's the opposite. The church is terrible. We've just been born. But we're actually, in, in the timeline, I'm not predicting that Jesus is coming by 2046. But by 2046, the whole world's population could be Christian. Now, that's not a prophetic thing. That's just simply math. <laughs> and and if, you, if you extrapolate that, that exponential curve. Is math prophetic? Would you bow your head for a moment? <laughs> I've gotten into trouble here. We better pray. <laughs> Lord, what an exciting time that we live in. What an exciting time for the kingdom to advance. What an exciting time for the outpouring of your spirit. Lord, in the midst of that, we ask that you would just help us, those of us who are leaders, to lead with new wineskins so that the wine's not lost. You said, who puts new wine into old wineskins? Lest the wineskins rupture and the wine is lost. We want to see the flow continue to increase and increase and increase and increase in the churches that we lead, in the people that we have impact with. For all of us, we say, God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that we get to live at a time like this. Lord, it's humbling it's amazing. You determine the times and place. What a privilege. Lord, again, we just simply say we want to walk in step with you. We don't want to be the world. We don't want to be influenced by the world, but we want to walk in step with the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.